along the way too, huh? Yes, well, I'm mostly interested in the very, very uh, bedrock stuff where it really came from. Because if you get into the discussion of church and canon law and what the scriptures say and 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 what the different religions interpretation of the different scriptures uh that you could go on for the rest of your life and do a show every day for the rest of your life and you'll have nothing but discussion after discussion about things which nobody seems to know anything about and everybody has a different idea me i don't i'm not interested in doing that i'm interested and going back to the very bedrock where things actually came from. And, and, and when you do that, you're going to find, as I have and others have too, uh, and, and you can find, uh, uh, on my research society, uh, research uh, society website on my home page, all kinds of pictures and, and documents talking about things which you've heard of in religion but you never actually knew what they meant and so that's what I try and do I try and demystify and boil down to the common denominator of what these religious churches and belief systems where they actually came from and what they're actually in fact talking about and so many times all of these illustrious ideas and belief systems in religion when you do the research very few people will be able to do that kind of research because it takes days and weeks and years and most people don't have time they're raising a family and doing what normal people do they don't live abnormal lives like i do and and so that's why i feel i want to bring to the attention of people who don't have time to do this research well here's where to start if you're really interested if you're not interested I don't care but if you are really interested in where things come from and where ideas develop and uh, what they really mean not what you thought they meant then that's why I want to be here to help people to find the quickest way to get to that kind of information and my website my uh, my Jordan Maxwell show website, like you said, my research society has all kinds of documents where to go for this information. What do these words mean? Where do you find this? Where do you find that? Here's how to do this and that. And so that's what I try and do. Just help people who want to know and who are trying to find out and just save them a lot of time of going to libraries and studying and reading and you know I, I've already done that for 60 years I'd like to just help people see where to go to find the truth and it's all there if you just know what to look for and most people have never been told what to look for what words are important so that's what I do so when we get into religion there's so many topics that uh, I, you know, I haven't even begun to cover, but um, I think we talked about the uh, the social gospel of the Jesuits and the connection with the Jesuit social gospel in the Catholic Church, connecting directly to the Communist Party, the Soviet Union. Uh, yeah, there's a connection between the the Jesuits 
the the Vatican and the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, communism, that has never been brought out into the public, never been told to the public. <clears throat> and uh, then when you see uh, so many ideas being expressed in movies and television shows, where these religious ideas have actually come from. So mm. that's what I try and do. And um, well, I realize... Quick question realize, about the Jesuits, uh, uh, Jordan, if you don't mind. Uh-huh. Because uh, I'm somebody who takes the time to study a lot of different assassination plots throughout history. Right. Uh, I discovered in a lot of instances you have individuals that were either trained by, inspired by, or connected uh, to various Jesuit orders who wind up becoming embroiled in some very significant assassination plots throughout history. Uh, yeah. It seems as though they were uh, quite influential, not just in communist politics, but uh, really as a, a, a de facto, almost like what people think of uh, the CIA nowadays. And, yeah. in fact, there's Jesuits within the CIA that seem to be a subset of individuals. Uh, uh, stop me when I say something crazy, Jordan. Uh, the thing is, I, I think people uh, really miss the boat when it comes to this, that this religious order is directly connected even to what they used to call the Islamic assassins. Uh, That's right. Which, you know, even the word assassin, some people claim that the root of it came from hashish, because yep. uh, and, and and also sort of a um, a mutilation of of an earlier word hasasin, which uh, between that and hashish you you get the word assassin, uh, because mm-hmm. apparently a lot of them uh, used to uh, utilize it, eat it before they went to uh, go do their deeds in case they were captured, to uh, minimize the pain of torture. Um, so yes. they they are significant characters in some of the most uh uh deep plots of uh, early early assassinations in earlier uh, human history i mean you know well well before Kennedy or America existed or before Abraham Lincoln and our other presidents had been assassinated uh, the Jesuit order in and of themselves seemed to be like almost a mercenary sect that uh, involved themselves in murder and mayhem for all sorts of political causes. Am I, oh. am I saying anything out of line Absolutely here? Absolutely correct. Absolutely. The, the, the Vatican has uh, had the Jesuits uh, doing all kinds of incredibly uh, dark things around the world, uh, which we today would call terrorism, uh, blowing up buildings and and, and uh, killing people at the airports and all that kind of stuff. The Jesuits are very interested in that kind of stuff, and and they cause that chaos to frighten the people, and so that the people will turn to uh, the church, and they are actually perfecting their political maneuverings by assassinations by bombings and all kinds and from there you get to if you're studying the Jesuits and their terrorism around the world going back hundreds of years all the way back to 1500s you also come into contact with in the last couple of hundred years something in the in the Vatican called propaganda duet or P2. If you go on the uh, web and just type in P, uh, P and a 2. P2 Lodge. And you will see that P2 is, is in, 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 uh, 
Italian is uh, Propaganda Due. And Propaganda Due was a secret society of bankers and assassins and all kinds of mafiosis, gangsters, underworld organizations all around the world to create chaos, to create terrorism, uh, to cause uh, the, the death of leaders of countries. Propaganda Due. And it's actually uh, in, in the Godfather series, the movie Godfather series, the third in the series, the last one, Godfather 3, the whole movie of Godfather 3 is about P2, Propaganda Due, and what they're doing, and how the Vatican is doing business with all of the most powerful underworld uh, organized crime figures around the world in different countries, orchestrating the distribution of drugs, heroin, uh, all the different uh, illegal drug trafficking, plus white slavery, child, uh, child slavery. Uh, it's an incredible, dark, scary world that the Medellin cartels in South America and Central America, all those uh, cartels that are flooding the world, especially America, with, with drugs and murder. You're reading about it every day. Uh, all of this is orchestrated in the Vatican, period. End of sentence, period. All of this is understood being operated through the Vatican. And, and our organizations like P2, the Jesuits and other uh, nefarious organizations and organized criminal syndicates are operating now in the, in the Middle East. They're operating in Russia with the Russian Mafia with uh, with the uh, Italian-Sicilian connection, all of this stuff in organized crime ultimately, ultimately goes back to Rome, all the way back to the days of Caesars of Rome. And as I've said before, the Roman Empire has dominated Europe for about 2,300 years. And with the fall of the Roman Empire in the 5th century, uh, the official fall of the Roman Empire, uh, the, for the, for the last 1600 years, the Vatican has dominated. Well, we're talking about Rome. We're talking about the Rome as a world power. Well, the Rome is a world power. Why? Because of the Vatican sits in the middle of Rome, and it is the brains behind what we used to call the ancient Roman Empire. And it's still here today. They've set up a, uh, an organization. They took over uh, uh, our government a long time ago. The Vatican sly slyly came in quietly, bought up politicians, murdered some, frightened others, assassinated some, and ultimately today the Vatican dominates the United States uh, corporation. It, it's it's an incredible story. It, it certainly is, Jordan. And you know what's amazing is that in earlier shows you covered exactly how we can see the resonant organization in the United States is based on the Roman concept of organization. Uh, and and you, you told that extensively during other shows. But here's something I think a lot of people don't know. The structure within uh, the, the legitimate or the really well-organized, I should say, not legitimate, that's a bad word, but the really well-organized Sicilian criminal organizations 
is based on the military structure of Rome. In fact, uh, the, the entire concept, the way it's done with tribute being paid upward in the chain, uh, the, the idea that there are uh, captains and individuals which are given particular ranks within organized crime, this is uh, actually another fingerprint of ancient Rome. It, it, it's based more on the constructs of the Roman legions, but um, still... The same structure is inspired by the same people. Is that not true? Yes. As a matter of fact, in the second movie of Godfather Two, there was a there was a a scene in there <clears throat> when the uh, attorney, <clears throat> the Godfather's attorney, was talking with one of the other mob guys who's been convicted, and he was going to die in prison, and so the attorney went to visit him. And you see the attorney walking with this mob guy who's going to die. <clears throat> uh, and and he, they're talking about their lives together. And the attorney, I think it was the attorney said, in the movie Godfather 2, he said, remember our thing, our, our, our thing that we do was based on the old ancient Roman Empire. This is the way we run our business today, the same way Rome ran its business to control the world. It's never changed. It's still the same thing. And today, organized crime around the world in different countries is always being backed up uh, and put together, organized, directed, and financed out of Europe, out of Rome. And so if, you, if you're tired of organized crime, all over the world, just look at the Vatican, because that is where it's all being formulated, <clears throat> put together and formulated to, uh, to organize it so that it works so well. And this is why organized crime works so incredibly well, because it has a world-class institution that's been around for 2,300 years of knowing how to control nations and peoples and, and laws and regulations and how to control the masses of millions of people mm -hmm. in the ancient Roman Empire. Well, today we're still doing the same thing. Well, what's funny is I wasn't thinking of that scene in Godfather, but since you brought it up, you reminded me. See, I told you, Jordan's mind goes to places that mine doesn't even go. I wasn't thinking of that. But uh, even during that scene, he describes how an individual could turn around, and when once they had been uh, uh, you know, accused of betraying the emperor, they could find a way to to, uh, to die honorably and not have their family also no, be right. punished. And uh, right. he talks about opening his wrists and the whole thing, and then the character winds up doing that in order to, again, protect his family. You know, he's done for. He's betrayed the emperor, so to speak. He's yep. betrayed the Don. So therefore, yeah, I mean, the honor codes and all that stuff, which you hear about uh, among the Italians, it's all based on this. Uh, now, now, what's fascinating is, now, you, you've covered this in a way, but I just wanted to mention that part about how not just the governments, but the criminal organizations are also constructed under the same template. But here's the amazing thing, Jordan. You were going to tell us about how it is this could be changed or reformed or the reformation of and the roots of how it all got there. I mean, is it all just the Roman structure repeating itself throughout history, or is there more to it? 
Oh, I think there's a lot more to it. But I think Rome perfected the establishment of, uh, of the uh, institutions of mankind that are necessary to control the, 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 the man and woman and child on the earth. They were brilliant when they put together the institutions uh, that would promote their philosophy and their control of the world and do it in such a way that no one seemed to realize what was really going on. Today we have educational institutions, universities and, and, and colleges, never ever realizing the very word college comes from the collegia in, in, in Italy, in Rome. And it's called the Collegia or the College of Cardinals. So when you go to college, that's a Roman, Latin, Roman, Catholic term. College. I don't care what college. It's Roman. And it's run like Rome. And uh, so when you look at the words and terms, when you go to college, you start off and you're a sophomore. Whether in the, in the ancient world, the word sophomore meant you were an idiot. You were totally mentally deranged, goofy idiot that didn't know how to, how to find your way out of a paper bag. So that anything that's really screwy and stupid today, we call sophomoric. Meaning, this is stuff what sophomores talk about. Sophomore means you're stupid. And then later on you have something called a freshman. Oh, there, you're a freshman in school. You're, you're a fresh man. And you're a sophomore. You're ignorant and stupid. And so we're going to teach you what to kiss and when. And we're going to teach you how to operate in this world. And we will give you a diploma. If you answer all the questions correctly, then you get a diploma, which is a work permit. And now you can go out and, and earn a living with a work permit. But it comes from the word collegia, college, university. And so all the most important universities around the world are either owned by or run by Jesuits or some division of the Roman system of ancient Rome. So this is why I say that I don't think the world is able to extricate itself out of the mess we're in because so many people just do not realize the size and the implications of how big this apparatus really is. It goes back thousands of years. And you think all the things that were going on 5,000 years ago was just a bunch of, um, a bunch of primitive uh, goofballs doing whatever they call themselves doing. No, they were perfecting the the whole idea of perfecting how to control the human race. And when it came to the founding of the Roman Empire, they had some incredibly fascinating ideas about how to impact the human. As a matter of fact, it was Albert Pike, the head of the Masonic Order, uh, the, the, the highest-ranking Freemason wrote a book, but in, and I just recall that in the first couple of pages, he talked about if you're going to control the whole world, it's impossible to do because there's too many different kinds of people, too many different ideas, and you're never going to be able to uh, to uh, force 
the whole human race to do anything because you just don't have an army big enough. But uh, but out of but he said, but look at the world as one one thing, one man, one woman, and one child. That's the way you got to look at the entire earth of mankind. One man, one woman, and one child. So what is it that you need to do uh, to capture the minds and the hearts of one man? And so it explains how you work on the human mind. And therefore, if you could get one man uh, uh, buying into something, use the same method to get the whole male population of the world to buy into it. Because all men are men. So learn how to control one man and you've got the whole world. Learn how to control one woman, her, her, her thinking, her body, the way she feel, feels about things, the way she views things. Uh, learn how to control her, one woman, and now you've got all the women in the world. And so this goes all the way back to the professional uh, politicians and, and the founding of America want to get away from all of that. And most people are not aware that when the United States of America as a republic was originally founded, two uh, institutions were not allowed in this country. Go back and read the encyclopedias about the founding of America and you will find there were two separate institutions that the founding fathers of America said would not and could not exist in this country under any circumstances. One was the Vatican. One was the Vatican and the Catholic Church, period, was not allowed uh, to, uh, to have any sway in this country whatsoever. And the other was the banking institutions of, the, of Europe and of the Roman Empire. And so today that's all we have are banks in the church everywhere. And all the different churches, even including the, the, the York Rite uh, cults like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Seventh-day Adventists, Christadelphians, Worldwide Church of God, uh, all of the different York Rite cults today in America and in Europe are all based on the ancient Roman canon laws, ancient Roman maritime admiralty laws, all of the secret uh, contracts and things which have been signed to start different religions, even the whole British Israel World Federation uh, that I talked about a long time ago. British Israel World Federation. Go do some homework on that. And you will find that there's a world of, of, of treason and all kinds of incredible lies and deception that's been perpetrated by Rome on the world. And that's what we even have today as old saying that says, all roads lead to Rome. I don't care what kind of criminality you're talking about, from child sacrifice to, to white slavery to buying and selling children and women around the world to our narcotics trafficking, uh, you know, and, and people who put together wars. You've got to have a fight promoter, so you've got to have people who put together the wars for us and sell us on the idea and then send us into battle. Well, those people are trained. You will find they're always trained at the best universities in America, which are Jesuit-run, Jesuit-owned. 
And so it's a very, very big and dark and old and ancient story that if we, you know, that's why I say all the time that I don't think it's possible to change the destiny of the human race now. My, my feeling is, and it's, it's actually my feeling, and it's just my feeling, my, uh, it's my understanding. I don't think anything is going to change for us on the earth unless and until there is some kind of an intervention in our affairs by a higher power. I would prefer to think that that would be God who would inter- intervene in our, uh, uh, you know, intervene in our normal uh, de- destiny as a human family. Well, you know, we read in the Bible sometimes in the past we're told that God intervened in our in our business here on the earth and created a worldwide flood and killed everybody. I would not be a bit surprised if the gods themselves, the great spirits who have overseen our our creation and who are watching our destiny unfold, that they are going to do something to clean up the direction and the destiny of the whole entire human family because we have become so uh, far out of line, we're so totally uh, corrupt in all of our thinking that all the nations of the world are corrupt. We are now seeing uh, slavery, prostitution, drug running, you know, uh, wars and violence and gang, gang violence everywhere on the earth, including the deepest parts of Africa, still looks just like us. What what they're doing is what we're doing. So I'm afraid that for the human family, we are going to have to experience something very, very bad uh, before the spirit that created us can recreate us and start us back on a different road. Uh, Because if not, if if we're left alone now, I don't know how we're going to make it to the next century. I don't know how we're going to make it to the next ten years. The uh, yeah. way things are going now. No, so. that's that's all true. But you know, when, when you start talking like this, it 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 brings to my mind the idea that uh, that people often talk to me about prophecy. And what they think is going to happen because it's laid out in the Bible and, uh, the interpretation then follows what they think is going to happen and what they've been told is going to happen and what the signs are. Um, here's what I see. Not just in the, what they call the Christian Bible, but it seems to me as though, uh, across time we have this recurring, uh, story where Eventually, mankind gets out of control. Yep. And once they do, once things are completely beyond repair, they're 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 so far gone that uh, that that men are irredeemable in their character in one way or another. Uh, again, previous to the Christian Bible, previous to the Old Testament, previous to that, even yep. the gods seem to say, "Okay, you know what? Enough is enough." 
And uh, I, I don't even like the, the, the term higher power anymore, to be honest with you, because I almost feel like that was implanted into the language and implanted into the conversation to get us to appeal to authority, because a higher power is not even necessarily a god, right? Just a higher power no, in a right. general you're sense right. could be what? Oh, well, the government has been placed over you. They're a higher power. Uh, so right. I don't even like that phrase, but I'll tell you something else. It's interesting that that is a recurring theme, like across cultures, across time, across disciplines, across philosophies, that eventually a correction comes in. And people talk to me all the time about, you know, being in the end days and uh, exactly what this means and the book of Revelations and what what do you have to say about all that? I mean, it, it sounds to me like you're saying, well, that when the gods have had enough of us behaving the way that we do, and I say we as in let's include all of humanity all collectively, of all, yeah, of us, all of us collectively, yeah, yeah. that uh, that they will uh, they they will do what needs to be done to reset, if you will, the situation. Yeah, uh, and besides, yeah. we we will not learn. We will not learn uh, by listening to an older and, and you know like they used to do thousands of years ago. The older men of the of the community, uh, you know, with the long beards, and they were the older men, and they were told, and the people were told to listen to their old fathers and all the older, older tribal members. They 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 were young at one time, and they now know things that we young people don't know, and so we need to listen to their wisdom. Well, nobody's listening to anybody anymore. Except the ignorant people who are listening to the silly nonsense on television, uh, we call television evangelists. But keep in mind one thing, too, about the Bible that's important for people to know, is the book of Revelation was not uh, allowed to be in the Bible. It started off uh, uh, not in the Bible. And then later on, somebody decided, some group decided that the book of Revelation is really uh, really important to the whole story of the Bible, so they insisted on putting the book of Revelation in. And then you will see, if you go through the history of the Bible uh, and, the, and the development of the scriptures, uh, then you will see, no, later on, there was another group that said, no, we said, take it out and leave it out. So they pulled it out again. And then later on, maybe 50 to 100 years later, Somebody, some group found out the, you know, the, the book of Revelation is so important, so they put it back in. So it's been about uh, a dozen times it's been taken out of the Bible and put back in and taken out of the Bible and put back in. And why? Because basically the book of Revelation has zero, nothing to do, zero, nothing to do with early Christianity. It had no part in early Christianity whatsoever. And so many things about the book of Revelation, uh, Christians have not been told. And, and and if you were told, it would shock you, uh, some of the stuff about the book of Revelation that we know the history of. And so today we're stuck with, well, today uh, the book of Revelation is back in the Bible again. And uh, many of the church fathers said they have nothing to do with that book. It's all astrology and have nothing to do with the book of Revelation because it has nothing to do with Christianity. Well, it's still there today and people are still uh, looking at it and making movies and television shows and preaching on the book of, Revel book of Revelation, never realizing 
It's a old, ancient book uh, dealing with astrology. The whole entire book of Revelation is an astrological uh, book about ancient and, and very ancient astrological thinking. And so go back and read it and read it with the, uh, keeping in mind that this is a book on astrology. And then it will all begin to make sense. The story about the, 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 the queen of heaven. And she's standing on the moon. She's standing on the, on the surface of the moon, the queen of heaven. Queen of heaven is nothing more than Isis, uh, the, the astrological symbol in Egypt for, uh, for Virgo, the virgin. Virgo, the virgin, is one of the twelve signs of the zodiac. The virgin. And so, and so today, one of the twelve signs in the zodiac today is Virgo. Virgo, the virgin. So she is referred to as the virgin. Well, what do we talk about in the Catholic Church? But Jesus and his mother, the virgin. And the Pope is always bowing down and kissing the statue of Mary, the virgin. Not Mary, M-A-R-Y, no, Mari, M-A-R-I, not M-A-R-Y. Look it up in a dictionary, a Bible encyclopedia, M-A-R-I, Mari. And so it's not Mary, Mari. Mari means fresh and clean. Well, that's what you think of a virgin. She's fresh and clean, virgin. And so, therefore, Mari became the virgin mother, and, and she gives birth to God's son, S-U-N, the son. And, uh, and, well, God's son is in heaven. Of course the son is in heaven. Well, he is our risen Savior. Of course he's your risen Savior. Every morning about 545, he rises. And if he doesn't rise, then you're dead in three weeks because the earth is going to freeze over. So he is your risen Savior, and he has 12 helpers. That's right, he has 12 months of the year, 12 signs of the Zodiac, the 12 apostles, the 12 sons, the 12 brothers of Joseph, the 12, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, 12, 12, 12. It's all based on the sun, the 12 signs of the Zodiac, the 12 months of the year. It's, it's all astrological. So... It's a whole big story that most people are not aware of, and it's way too big. It would take uh, days and days of a presentation with slide, slides and pictures to go back into history and trace from one century to another where these ideas have come from and how they have come down today, and we're still believing the same things they believed 10,000 years ago. It's still the same ancient old pagan religions that we've always had. We still do. We always will. It's just unfortunate that people don't have that kind of a mindset to understand where we get all of our religions and our belief systems. America today, the United States, I've said this before, but it's important to say it again. The United States federal government today is a Roman government. Founded by Jesuits, set up by the Jesuits in the Rome. It was founded by and based on Roman law. And if you go back to the encyclopedias, Britannica and Americana, etc., and, and read about ancient Rome, it will tell you that Caesar 
when he ruled from Rome, he ruled the whole world. The world of that time was the Roman Empire. <clears throat> and how did he, where did he, where was his seat of power? Officially, where did Caesar sit to govern the entire Roman Empire? Well, it, the, the encyclopedia says he, uh, he ran the empire from one of the seven hills of Rome, and it was called Capitol Hill, Capitoline Hill. Well, today, we in America, we have a Capitol Hill. And it says in the encyclopedia, Caesar each morning would go, quote, up on the hill, end quote. So we say that in our news broadcast. Well, up on the hill this morning, the president did this and that, up on the hill. That's Rome. That's ancient Rome. That's the, the Knights of Malta. Go back and read and do some research on the Knights of Malta and the Knights of St. John. And how the Catholic Church moved in on the new republic, the brand new little republics of 13 uh, companies, and formed a huge organization that today we call it the United States. It's simply the Roman Empire, and now, like the Roman Empire, it collapsed under the weight of its own corruption. <clears throat> That's where we are today. <clears throat> we, are in the, we are in the process of collapsing all over the world. And all we have left now is the fighting between the Roman at the very top, all the Roman Caesars and the senators. And how did Rome rule the world? It ruled through its senate up on the hill. Well, that's what we've got, a senate up on the hill. Wake up and realize the world is, co is collapsing and crumbling just as it was foretold. Just as we know, this is the way the human race has always reacted. It's always happened the same way. And so now right. we are in the last and final days of the Roman Empire one more time. Well, we just don't learn. True enough. And with the last couple of minutes of this hour, Jordan, believe it or not, we're, we're almost through the first hour. Uh, I would like to address something. I'm, I'm seeing live interactions about part of what you're saying in the chat room and a couple other places. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to address something and get your take on it with the last little bit of this hour, which will be a little less than 10 minutes by the time I'm done asking it. Um <clears throat> Here's the thing about the book of Revelations, because immediately somebody leapt to what they're conditioned to say is, oh, well, show me where there is not truth in the book of Revelations. Show me where there's not truth in my Bible. Okay. That is not what Jordan said. What Jordan said is that it's misunderstood. And also... He said that uh, it's been taken out and put back into the Bible several times. This is, uh, this is fact. Um, now... Put that aside for a moment. I, I think a very key point that uh, probably you glossed over, Jordan, because you're so used to talking about this, but I'd like you to make it very clearly, is that uh, a lot of people interpret what they read in the book of Revelations to be very, very literal to the imagery. Uh, they literally believe that demons are going to show up on the earth and that uh, you know entire valleys will fill with blood and things like this, that this will happen in a very literal sense. In some places in the book of Revelations, it is a literal discussion, uh, but in some places it is not. It is an allegory which <coughs> describes a whole lot of things that happen in the heavens, if you will, in the sky that you'll be able to observe. That is part of what you were saying, but 
I'd like you to address the idea that uh, some people say, well, you know, if you're not speaking to my interpretation, then you're saying that, uh, you know, that this particular document in and of itself is untrue. That's not what you're saying at all, is it? No, number one. not at all. Number two, um, and, and I'm addressing a few things across the board here, so everybody mm-hmm. be patient for a second. And Jordan, I'm very sure, will speak to anything that is reasonable here, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here's the other part of it, and that is that uh, the book of Revelations, in reality, as it stands, the allegories which are described, you can find them in previous incarnations of other religions being described the same events in the heavens, the same astrological signs. Okay, maybe slightly different poetry, if you will, but quite honestly, um, the book of Revelations pre-existed the Bible. Okay, by a long, long shot. It pre-existed the original scripts that were done, you know, by hand. The individuals who were scribes, we discussed what a scribe is in a previous show. Um, It pre-existed all of that is what Jordan is explaining. Now, the idea that, uh, that uh, oh, well, there were previous pagan religions that had very similar things in them, that is not said to undermine the truth of what is being spoken to in the book of Revelations in any way, shape, or form. In fact, many of the pre-existing pagan cultures had uh, very accurate ways of looking at the stars, knowing exactly where they would be as you and I speak thousands of years later, because they had been studying them for so long previous to it. So, Jordan, um, I'd like you to talk about the, the symbolism which is contained in the book, as opposed to the literal descriptions, and as opposed to the way uh, a lot of people have been taught from the pulpit about the end time signs and things like that. I know I'm opening up a huge can of worms here, um, but uh, but I see people reacting, and uh, I, I got a re- I got a nasty reaction on Skype, but I'm I'm going to speak very uh very calmly to it uh i've also got reactions in the chat room and and somebody wanting to uh wanting to you know almost asking challenging we'll debunk it then nobody's debunking the book of revelations here that's not what's happening we're discussing it and explaining to you the origins of some of what you see there today which, by the way, again, loaded with a whole bunch of mistranslations when you take a look at the King James Version as it was translated from the original writing of what we call the Book of Revelations, and given the fact that it had been taken in and out of canon a few times, uh, a few other things might have happened to that book as well. So, Jordan, feel free to address all of these things that I've just sort of uh, laid out in a general sense, and uh, we'll go a little over the hour if need be. And take a break after you address this, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, yeah, the book of Revelation is very important if you understand that it is uh, not part of the original, what, what, the, what the church fathers around you know, first and second century, the, uh, the very beginnings of Christianity, they did not accept the book of Revelation, though it was there. They just didn't accept it as part of uh, the canon scripture. Well, not only that, but then we have something today uh, where we we know there's about 13 to 15 other books uh, that were written, that were prophecies, 
that in the Bible itself mentions those books. And that's on my research society. I've got that, uh, I've got that information on where in the Bible, Old and New Testament, uh, talks about important books of prophecy. And it gives the names of those books of, of important prophecy in this, in the Bible. But those important books of prophecy are not in the Bible. They're merely spoken about in the Bible by certain uh, books. We'll tell you about this. Uh, there was a book called This, This, and That, and that was a very important book you need to know about. Well, go look for that book in the Bible. It doesn't exist. And so there's about, I think there's about 15 different books uh, talked about in the Bible that were very important prophecies in those books, but they're not in the Bible. And they are, they're left out purposely. And so you wonder, well, why are they leaving them out? If the Bible says they were important, why don't you leave them in? Well, the church fathers uh, decided that there were some, some of those books didn't say things that the people would understand. So they figured, uh, we'll decide what the people will understand and what they won't. And so they left certain books out of the Bible, about 15 or 16 of them, out of the Bible and didn't put them in at all. But I think the book of Revelation is very interesting, but it's, it is an astrological uh, work. It's based on astrology. And, uh, and in the book of Revelation, one of the most important pieces in the book of Revelation for me is the last, the last page of the book of, Revela- of the book of Revelation, which is 2216, I think it is. The very last page of the very of, of the book of Revelation, it has Jesus saying. It quotes and says, "I, Jesus, I am Lucifer. I am the bright morning star that the Bible calls Lucifer." So, in the book of Revelation, go to the very last chapter, twenty-two, and look at verse sixteen where Jesus is saying, I am, and he says, I, Jesus, I am saying. And then he says, I am Lucifer. So today when you hear people talk about Lucifer's the devil, and he's the demon, the devil in the abyss, etc. No, unfortunately, you don't understand that Lucifer was a planet Venus. Venus was the first time uh, we come in contact with the word Lucifer. It was because of Jerome. Jerome was a Catholic scholar uh, back when the Catholic Vulgate Bible was being translated from the earlier language, from the earlier Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew languages into Latin, so that the uh, you know, so that Rome could see the scriptures. And so the the Catholic uh, translator named Saint Jerome. He came across a word in Hebrew which he just translated the best he could, but he made a mistake. It wasn't a big mistake, but it was an error, and it was picked up and made into a bigger mistake by the church. And now today, the mistake is all over the world. Uh, he came across, he came across, uh, Saint Jerome when he was translating the Bible, came across in the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. Uh, that's something we could talk about on, uh, on the other side of this hour because I see us up now. But we'll talk about Isaiah 14, 
12 through 14 uh, when we come back. No, absolutely. And uh, one other thing which I did miss was uh, a comment about Albert Pike. Uh, is it Albert Pike? I remember reading his stuff. It's Albert Pike, right, Jordan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah see, Pike. I've got to check with you. Like I told you before, you've you got this stuff better in your head than I do. Uh, mm-hmm. But I remember reading and also reading people discussing uh, uh, some of the things that he had written. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <clears throat> A lot of people leap to a conclusion because of the mention of Lucifer in his writing. Yep. Um, and now I'm given to understand that Pike's writing has a bunch of uh, Latin phrases and names inserted into it, which yep. uh, which really make it a bit difficult for some people if they don't understand Latin at all to read it. Um and honestly, when mentioning Lucifer, Albert Pike is generally referring to the planet Venus, it seems That's like right. to me. That's right. He's uh, talking about Venus. Yeah, but, that, but that's because why, Jordan, in Latin, what is Venus? Venus and Lucifer are pretty interchangeable in Latin, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Venus was referred to as the light bringer. So if, if we're all in a big room... If we're all in a big room like a motion picture theater and the lights go off and everything's off and it's dark, if somebody comes into the room, into that theater with a big light, a big flashlight or a big lantern that's lighting up everything, we call him Lucifer because the name Lucifer means one who brings the light. He's not the light, but he brings the light. And so the planet Venus was referred to in Hebrew as Helio, or the light bringer, the one who brings the light. Why? It's because in the morning, in the ancient world, and especially in Egypt, uh, the priest of, of, of Ra, Amun-Ra, the sun god, the priest would wake in the morning very early, and they would go out in front of the temple, and they would all sit and wait and watch for Lucifer, the light bringer, to come, which was uh, the planet Venus. Why? Because Venus is very impressive. In the morning, when it's first coming up, it's very bright. And it's really interesting, uh, you know, something that bright coming up on the, on, the, on, the, on the horizon. But it told everybody, and today it tells everyone... It's the, it's bringing the light. What are you talking about bringing the light? The sun. The sun is the light of the world. That's why we say Jesus is light of the world. Of course the sun is the light of the world. But Venus is not lighting the world. But Venus is telling you he's coming behind me. So when you see Venus, know the sun is coming now. Now the light of the world is going to rise, and he's going to be our risen Savior. So the ancient peoples in, in India and, and, and uh, in Egypt, etc., in the ancient world, all realized when that bright, beautiful, bright uh, star, that bright planet called Venus, when you see that thing coming up on the horizon, it's not the light of the world. It's not going to light the whole earth. But it is telling you, get ready, the light is coming. He's bringing the light to the world. Why? Because he just precedes the coming of the sun. 
And so we call Jesus, God's Son, the light of the world. Yeah, well, who owns the Son? Well, nobody owns the Son. Well, somebody must own it. Well, if anybody owned it, theoretically, I guess you could say God owns it. Okay, so it's God's Son. And God's Son is our risen Savior. That's right, because it rises every morning. If it don't, we're dead in three weeks. And so the the Venus was the, the light bringer, the one who announced the coming of God's Son, the light of the world. So today we say that Venus is the light bringer. He, he brings the light. And so Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I'm the one that lights the world. So Jesus is the light bringer because through Jesus we are enlightened about God about the universe, about our lives, we're supposedly to worship God's Son, the light of the world. And if you're looking to God's Son to learn from Him, then you are His pupil, which is a, a term we use for the round circle of your eye as a pupil. So you're learning from God's Son. You're taking in intellectual and spiritual enlightenment from the Son. And so Jesus is uh, the Son, and He is the one who brings the light. So it was a misunderstanding of astrological terms from because the, 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 the writers of the King James Bible translators were very, very good with the King's English, but they weren't that hot on Aramaic and Greek. And so sometimes they made mistakes and said things that weren't exactly correct. And so exactly. they misunderstood uh, the word helio and translated it Lucifer, when it should be just a bright star. Anything bright star that heralds the coming of the sun, the light of the world, is called Lucifer. One who is not the light, but he's bringing the light to you. And so that's what, you know, that's where we get all of this stuff about Jesus being Lucifer. He is the one who's bringing intellectual and spiritual light to the world. See, now, and if you just take what you explained right there and lay it over top of, again, the narrative in the book of Revelations, this concept about the fallen star, you know, the light bringer, all these things, the morning star coming before the sun, well, it looks to me like the house of Venus coming into play before the sun gets into a certain position. Oh, wait a minute, maybe I've said too much. <laughs> but uh, here, yes. here, here it is, That that's what's being described there, but some people think a literal demon is supposed to drop on the planet here, and uh, then the, uh, the, the, the character is supposed to re-arrive again, but this time, you know, certainly having a different attitude, and then wars are described, a, a great rending of flesh on the planet is certainly described, but uh, again, a lot of it is... The allegory. We're beginning a little late here at Ocelli.com. This is the Ocelli Effect, and I am not going to waste your time with a lot of other stuff here at the beginning of this particular hour, because I want to get right back to the discussion with Jordan Maxwell, because this is a special series on religion. We're up to part six, Jordan, and it is really, really something else. Uh, actually, tonight, I think you're kind of on fire. You are really humming tonight uh, with the explanations. We've had a couple of interactions from the chat room, as well as on Skype. There's another question, actually. 
UK listener in the chat room right now, which we'll get to in a minute. But I uh, want to remind you guys that you can study this topic and many others even further by going to jordanmaxwellshow.com because that is the only website that is actually Jordan Maxwell's, jordanmaxwellshow.com. And if you want to get really deep into these topics as well as many, many others, uh, there is an extensive website which you can get to through jordanmaxwellshow.com, which is the Research Society website, and for a one-time fee, believe it or not, you can get uh, into an area where there are ebooks, there is videos, there are a lot of pieces of research which are not out there in the public, but a lot of direction and interesting subheadings in the Research Society section. When you go to jordanmaxwellshow.com, you'll find a button that says Jordan Maxwell uh, Research Society. And uh, you can get right to it that way. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you now, the stuff on there is extensive. We're really scratching the surface over this now almost 12 hours of discussion on religion, which is only one of the topics. <laughs> that Jordan covers uh, not only on his website, not only over the course of his very uh, long career doing this, educating people, but in the Research Society website, there is a real deep dive into exactly what we've been talking about. So we left off with the Book of Revelations. We were talking about that. And um, isn't it fascinating that some people react rather harshly when you begin to uh, get right at the crux of what they think their belief system is? Um and here it is. It's not a matter of saying that there is no truth behind what a lot of people are espousing. The problem is that because of, you know, things like Jordan was talking about, the mistranslations, the misrepresentations, and lack of understanding, given that, uh, you know, people are waiting for, you know, demons to start raining down from the sky, uh, and look, I, I, there, there, there might be some way that that could occur. <laughs> quite honestly, and sometimes I'm not sure it hasn't already happened, given the behavior of some people that are on this planet, I wonder. But, um, Jordan, it's uh, it's something else when people uh, uh, don't take a step back and want to hear about certain things, but hey, you know what? That's not what you're going to get out of a discussion with Jordan Maxwell. So again, uh, I'm just going to shut my mouth and let you continue on, because we still have a couple things on the table here. Um, Yeah. And and one of them is, we, we talked about the formation, the Jesuits, the influence, uh, Rome itself, its influence. We talked about uh, the book of Revelations again, this concept of an antichrist, the concept of the light bringer, uh, Pike, a lot of things. You know, long before Bernays did his work, there was a guy named Pike, and uh, you should really get into his literature and read it, but read it carefully. Because not yeah. everything is immediately as it seems. Anyway, right. Jordan, yeah. uh, so go uh, ahead. <laughs> I would say if you keep in mind this name, Gerald Massey, M-A-S-S-E-Y, I think it is. Uh, Gerald Massey was a very, very profoundly interesting Egyptologist. Uh, back in the early 1900s, um, Gerald Massey was in New York. He was a scholar of the Egyptian world religion, and he wrote many, many volumes and volumes of books. Gerald Massey is an extraordinary uh, Egyptologist, but he once said in one of his books, the quote was very good. He said, they, T-H-E-Y, they, whoever it is, they're going to find it very difficult those who have accepted the authority 
as truth rather than the truth as the authority. So people have accepted authority because uh, what is it? What do you mean authorities? Well, they are the people who write down what you are supposed to do and what you the way you are supposed to live. They are the authors of the law. They decide what the law should be, so they write it down, and they're called scribes, and they're scribbling the scripture, they're scribbling scribes, and so they're writing down how you should think, how you should dress, how you should operate in this world, and then you follow them, whatever they tell you to do, you follow them, and then they are the authorities, they are the ones who authored the document you call the law. Now, when you when I'm talking about early Christianity, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about when I say that early Christianity has no bearing whatsoever on today's Christian religion. Christianity today looks nothing like it did a thousand years ago. Nothing. Uh, in the mo- in the motion picture world, Steven Spielberg made a movie called uh, The Raiders of the Lost Ark. And being Jewish, uh, he did a movie, and it was a very famous movie, very extremely well done, about uh, Indiana Jones was sent to find the lost Ark of the Covenant. Well, we talked about that before. And, and so where does Indiana Jones go first to find the lost Ark of the Covenant or the lost Ark of the Hebrews? He goes to Tibet, not to the Holy Land. No, Tibet is where he goes first. And then after he goes to Tibet, he finds what he needs, the information he needs now to find the lost Ark of the Hebrews. So after Tibet, where does he then go? Well, he goes not to the Middle East, not to Israel, not to the Holy Land, but from Tibet he goes directly to find the Ark in Egypt, not not the Holy Land. There's nothing holy in the Holy Land. It's all a story. And so he goes to Egypt, and be damned if he doesn't find the lost Ark in Egypt. Why? It's because Steven Spielberg is a lot of things, but stupid is not one of them. He knows exactly what he's doing when he puts that into a movie that the Indiana Jones archaeologist finds the Holy Ark of the Covenant in Egypt because it's an Egyptian symbol that has nothing to do with the ancient Hebrews, period. Because there was no such a thing as ancient Hebrews. There was no ancient Israel. And so the next thing... This is dealing with uh, stories in the Bible which are not in the Bible and which are not being explained to the people. The lost ark is an Egyptian ark, not a Hebrew ark. There was, never was a Hebrew ark. It was a, just a story. But in the, in the next movie Spielberg made was the uh, after Raiders of the Lost Ark. The next one was the uh, uh, the hunt for the uh, what was it called the the Last Crusade, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And what was the Last Crusade? Well, the Last Crusade was for the cup of Christ, for the Holy Grail, for the Holy Cup that Jesus was supposed to have drank from and the Last Supper. Well, the Last Supper is a metaphor. There was no Last Supper. It has nothing to do with people eating and drinking together in a supper. It's, it has to do with the with the Jewish symbol of the uh, the uh, the Passover, the 
Passover meal. That's a whole story we could get into if we haven't, but not now. So in the, in the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, he's looking for the cup of Christ, the cup of the grail. And so we read in the Bible, uh, today you can read in the Bible, a point where Jesus says in the New Testament, he said, upon this rock I will build my church. Now this is important. Because it's in the New Testament, and it's supposedly Jesus saying this. And Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so the Catholic Church, the, the Roman Church, said, Oh, upon this rock, well, a rock in, in the ancient Greek was Petra, P-E-T-R-A, Petra is a rock. In the ancient Greek language, in the ancient world, Petra was a rock. And so the, 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 the Catholic translators, they said, oh, well, it was misspelled. See, it's spelled here in the old ancient document, P-E-T-R-A, Petra. But actually, it was misspelled. It was P-E-T-E-R, Peter. And so Peter was the rock upon which Jesus is going to build his church. And so they will tell you, well, the word Peter actually, I guess, comes from Petra. Uh, and, and, and in one way or another, it comes from Petra because Peter was like a rock. You know, he's like, he was just a, a big, strong guy, and he was just like a rock. And whatever he did, it was just like a big, thunderous rock. And so that's what we call Peter Petra. No, no, and no. When Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, go back and look at the word rock in the encyclopedias and dictionaries of the Bible, and you will see the word rock is a word Petra, P-E-T-R-A. Petra is a stone rock, a huge mountainous rock, and I do mean huge mountainous rock, in the country of Jordan. If it wasn't at war, so much bloodshed going on in the Middle East right now, if you had the time and the money, you could go to the country of Jordan and take a tour, and they will take you out to this enormous rock that you have to go through these canyons to get to. And when you come to it, it's a huge cathedral, a beautiful cathedral temple to an ancient god's in the country of Jordan, in that big temple out in the middle of nowhere, carved out of a huge mountain, is called Petra. Why? Because Petra is a stone. And the temple is one solid piece of stone that's chipped and chipped away and, and, and made into a beautiful temple. It's extraordinary. Well, in the movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, They've, uh, Indiana Jones and his father, Sean Connery, if you remember, if you saw the movie, uh, they, uh, they're looking for the lost, uh, you know, the, the, the cup of the grail, and it takes them to Petra in the country of Jordan. And they go through the canyons, getting to this enormous temple that anybody can go to today if you're a tourist, uh, and it's called Petra because it's a one big rock. Well, an important, important point here is that Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church. 
and and the rock is translated Petra, not Peter, P-E-T-E-R, Peter, no, Petra, P-A-T-R-A, Petra, P-E-T-R-A. And so what I'm saying is that now we see that the real story of Christianity, Jesus said, is based on Petra, that that stone uh, mountain that's carved into an incredibly beautiful temple in, in the country of Jordan. Jesus says in the Bible, that's the basis for my church, period. My church, I am basing on Petra. So you better go back and look at the country of Jordan and then look at Petra, the great temple that was, cho- that was you know, carved out of the mountain of stone upon this rock. I will build my church. Well, that's exactly what it is. And so when Indiana Jones and his father, Sean Connery, they go inside the great temple of Petra, and what do they find but one of the Knights Templars? One of the Knights Templars and the Knights of St. John, and he's kneeling before an altar with all of these different uh, candles and, and holy uh, things all on the altar. And he is protecting, he's standing guard over the very foundations of Christ and the Christian religion. It is in Petra, the, the, the carved temple out of a rock. And so if you really are interested in Christianity, you might want to forget all of this nonsensical stuff you've heard out of Hollywood and and out of the churches and go back and read the scripture and it says, Upon this rock I will build my church. Signed, Jesus. Now go Mm -hmm. back and look at Petra in in the country of Jordan and you will find that there's a whole new story based on what we today believe is called Christianity. No, Christianity is a dark and profound understanding of that great temple in the country of Jordan called Petra, and who built it, and why did they build it the way they did. And that's the foundation of real Christianity, is in Petra, and the country of Jordan has got Mm. nothing to do with Rome. Nothing to do with Babylon or any of the rest of the ancient places in the world, but right. Petra. Well, see, so. and that's that's interesting because uh, you know I was going to point out that first of all, the, the the mainstream understanding of this is that the foundation of the church is in Rome, because <clears throat> this is the first place where uh, well, it's the foundation of the Roman Church. Yes, it is, but they transpose that. <laughs> to show yeah. you that you know the, the the whole of Christianity begins there, you know, according to them, and it's because why? Well, <clears throat> there was uh, Constantine, the emperor, who uh, legitimized the religion, so to speak, at one point. Right? The, the, this is the story that you're usually told. Uh, clarification, really quickly, on the Indiana Jones stuff, because somebody brought it up, and I don't want to delve into it, so I'm going to answer it instead of passing it along to Jordan. Um, Temple of Doom came out, yes, in between the Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Last Crusade. You're correct there. Uh, Secondly, that um, there's a lot of truth hidden in the Temple of Doom, which we'll get into at some point, maybe. Okay. Now, the Crystal Skulls thing that happened after that, okay, and uh, according to my understanding... The crystal skulls are a forgery of an artifact, and many 
allegedly religious and spiritual artifacts have been forged over time. And that's the end of the discussion there. Now, there was somebody from a listener in the UK, a question that came across, and I wanted to enter it to you. Um, okay, well, it's... I'm just going to read it as it's written, Jordan. Uh, question to Jordan. Does he know our UK courts are run by this Bible? Um, oh, have a just. Go, go ahead, and maybe you could speak to that really quickly. And, uh, oh, yeah. Then, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I even here across the pond, even in America, our courts are run by the Bible. The Bible is the foundation for what we call our, our judicial system of, of law. And so, you know, that's why we have uh, in Washington, D.C., that huge, enormous statue of Moses, uh, you know, standing in front of and near the entrance to the, uh, to the, what is it, the legal department for the United States government, the Department of Justice. Department of Justice, yeah. Yeah, and, and we have Moses standing there with his magic wand. And, uh, and the serpent on his magic wand, and uh, it's an extraordinary subject of where do our laws come from. It well, goes all the way back to England. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament, the book of Moses. See, but, but is it fair to say that American courts are entirely run by the Bible, in quotes? Because, after no, all, I don't see the black no. robe anywhere in the Bible. I don't see, you know, the black robes, first of all. Secondly, um, Lady Justice, <laughs> that's an ancient goddess that's not mentioned in the Bible, I think. Um, however, it's mentioned in other religious constructs. You know, the blindfolded woman with the scales, there's a lot of symbolism there uh, that, I don't know, doesn't seem very biblical to me. Anyway. Well, the, the lady with the, with the <laughs> yeah. you know, the lady with the weights uh, blindfolded is Libra, constellation of Libra. Um, and what was I going to tell you about the uh, about was well, the, the basic idea? I'm talking about the conceptual conceptual idea is that our laws come from the Bible. That's what we know. So therefore, that, oh yeah. Yeah, but, but I'm just saying it's the, this, this it, it's interesting though because the, even the use no, no, of the I word justice, it right? Yeah. It, it doesn't sound like it's just according to, uh, you know, we went over the Ten Commandments and what that actually is, and yeah. uh, we, you know, we've been through that in previous shows. But I just I just find it interesting that there's all these different symbols going on, and the concept that uh, you know a corporation is being represented and how your name is in all caps and all that kind of good stuff, all converges in the legal society, okay, which is really bizarre to me because uh, there are some people that think, well, it's biblical law, but it's not. It's really not. not. It's not because there was no Moses to start with. Moses is a fictitious character that was written into the scriptures probably during the Middle Ages, uh, you know, in A.D., in the Middle Ages, there was no uh, ancient Israel, so we know there was no ancient uh, Moses, and all the stories coming out of the Old Testament are not really, uh, you know, not really B.C. religion. I believe that, uh, I'm, I'm sure that there was, in fact, no B.C. religion called Judaism, period. There was no Jewish nation, there was no ancient Israel, there was no Moses, there was no Abraham. 
all of these people in the Bible can be traced back if you go and sit in the library for days upon end and photocopy the documents, you will see that all of these stories in the Old Testament were just that, stories. Right. Look, with, the, fact, with the last quarter of this show, though, I, I know I'm, I'm cutting you off again, but I really want to get at something that you mentioned. Uh-huh. Uh and, and here's something that Jordan got me to realize. We've exchanged a few emails this week and showed each other some things in the news and a few other things. Uh, but I gotta say, it's interesting to me this thing that you mentioned here about Moses being depicted with his magic wand. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's hang that sentence there for a moment. Moses and a magic wand. Alright, well, given to watching, you know, Charlton Heston and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> you would think that it's a staff, and that's usually yeah. what they say it is. It's a staff. Now, I could talk yeah. to you about who else carries a staff during that part of history, and mm. uh, th- this is why I believe it's meant to represent one of the pharaohs who was then sent out of the country with his people, but anyway, that's another story. Here's what's interesting. Not only is Moses depicted with this magic wand, which it is a magic wand, by the way, but also Jesus is depicted with a magic wand in a lot of places. And right, I know right. it sounds like I'm making a joke. I'm not. Uh, what What is with the magic wand being in the possession of both Moses and Jesus? I mean, you know, and if you want, you could also address why it is that Moses seems to have horns all the time. But I think yeah. we started to talk about that before. I want to know about this magic wand because this I didn't I never saw. I've seen many art, you know, pieces of art over the years uh, that depict Christ. I have. Mm-hmm. And, and I never took note in my mind that there was any of them that had Christ with a magic wand, or with a stick even. I, I, I never saw that until Jordan pointed it out to me uh, most recently. So if you wouldn't mind addressing this, and, and believe it or not, guys, go ahead and do an image search and you know on any search engine and ask for Jesus with a magic wand. You'll get some interesting pictures. Then if you're done looking at those, go look at Moses with a magic wand. There's a lot of them. Okay, go, go ahead. Yeah, Jordan. Ezekiel and, uh, and Isaiah, Ezekiel and Daniel, uh, all these statues in the in the churches of Europe show them all there doing their miracles with a magic wand. They're raising the dead with a magic wand, etc. Well, the magic wand was used by the Druids, uh, the Druid culture of Europe. And I told you that before, northeast, western, southern Europe were Druidic. And Druids were, you know, the, the, the part of Europe that we Americans come from originally was from Europe. And so you take the northeast, western, south, which you spell N-E-W-S, which is news. You get the news. Anything that happens in the northeast, western, south is N-E-W-S, news. And so you find out that if you do some research, go to the web if you want and, and type uh, and go to uh, image where you'll only see pictures, just image. And then type in Druid high priest, Druid religion and Druid priest. And then look at the way the ancient Druids in Europe dressed. They were holy men. They were the holiest of holy men. In European culture, they were the lawyers, the doctors, the judges, the religious leaders, all the important people who led the Europeans for thousands of years were had to be had to belong to 
a society called the Druids. And one of the most important symbols in the Druid religion was a magic wand. Why? Because the, like Mickey Mouse with his magic wand and Merlin the magician from England with his magic wand. And today we have orchestra conductors and musical conductors who lead the music with a magic wand. Well, magic wands were always made out of the wood of a holly tree. It's made out of Hollywood. And today we have uh, magic of Hollywood. Why it's Druids who are running Hollywood. But the Druids, if you look in the encyclopedia, go on the web to image and type in Druid priest and you'll see how the Druid priests were dressed and take out all those pictures and save all the pictures of all the high priests of the Druids and how they dressed and what they believed etc then go to the, the web to image and type in Jewish high priest it's identical the pictures are identical uh, everything that the, that the Druids taught is what the Jews taught Everything that the Druids wore, their, their high priests and their religious services and their religious uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, instruments, all of the holiness of the Druid people is Jewish. So therefore, now you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a connection between the Druids and Judaism? Yeah. Well, the, the most important, impressive uh, peoples in the Druid community were the Germans. And the Germans, going all the way back thousands of years, Germanic, the Germanic race of people, the Germans, and then you start to see, for the first time, a connection between the ancient peoples called the Germans and the Druids. And then you see the connection between the Druids, the Druids and the Jews. Now you become to see... The, the connection between the high priests of the Germanic people and the Druids, who were the high priests of the Germanic people, and today the, the, the religious garb and, and religious uh, implications of the clothes of the Jewish high priest. So the bottom line is that there is a very ancient, old and hidden connection between the Druids and the Jews, the Jewish people. And there's an extremely ancient and dark uh, hidden connection between the Jewish people and the Germans. The Germans are the ancient Jews and the ancient Jews are the Germans. And they both come out of the old, uh, old Germanic uh, Druid empire. So that Judaism today is a totally different religion than you think it is, as its, its history has zero, nothing to do with the Middle East. There was no Middle Eastern Israel and the holy people of God, and all of that is a story. Just like the Bible is called the greatest story ever told. Now go back and look at the connection between the Druid peoples of Europe and the German people of Europe, who today we call them, the Germans today, is referred to as the Holy Empire. The Holy Roman Empire was, was centered in Germany. But the Holy Roman Empire centered in Germany was based on what we call Judaism. Hmm. So that the Jews, the Germans, 
And now you get into the dark religion of the Jews in relation to the Germans. Well, and, and, this, and this is the greatest story ever told, but what's interesting to me is that I've seen many a retelling of it, and I've been to different churches, and I have listened to sermons about Jesus, and I have, you know, like I said, Moses has a staff, but I've never heard of Jesus having or read about Jesus having a magic wand. And I'm wondering, what is the significance? Why did they take it out of his hand, you know, for a lot of these uh, depictions of him? Because they don't want you to know that Judaism is actually a Gentile Druidism. That's uh, why. Okay. The, the, the powers that be do not want you to know which I've talked to rabbis and, and rabbinical authorities, and they agree. They say, yeah, you're right, so what? And I said, well, then why don't you tell your people in, in your synagogue? Uh, and then I find out why the synagogue is spelled S-I-N uh, in Israel and S-Y-N uh, in, in America. Well, there's another reason why. It goes back to the Druids again. Right, so, right, and, we, and we've yeah. talked about that in previous shows. You can hear about why it is Mount Sinai and yeah. all of that reg relating to, to this question. But what's fascinating to me is, no, they don't want you to know that, uh, but also there, there, there's a few more things about this I think they don't want you to know. Um, and, again, the art continues to reveal because it is just art it's not as though these are sacred artifacts these depictions where you can and i'm sure people have done it now have searched uh, on the internet to find jesus with a magic wand yeah. um and and some people think of well well what, what what proof do you have that there's the practice of magic uh you know still let's talk about magic for a second well <clears throat> there's something called the kabbalah isn't there jordan of course. So what what is, what is that for somebody who's going? I never heard of this before. Yeah, well, uh, Kabbalah goes. Uh, that's an old ancient uh, teachings uh, coming out of the Babylonian Empire, coming out of Iraq and I Iran. Iraq was referred to in the ancient world. Uh, what we call today, Iraq was called Babylonia, and the Iraqi religion. That's why the United States went into Iraq. There was a reason why we went into Iraq, because that's Babylon. This is the home of the Babylonian book of, uh, of uh, the Jews. And the Jewish religion is based on a lot of the old Babylonian teachings coming out of Iraq. Mm. That's why there was an Iraqi war. That's a big, big story here that's never been told. Oh, absolutely. And, the, and, the, and, and I, I want to get into that, because to me, and not tonight, but one of these episodes, I would like to really study that with you because I think there's going to be some really interesting information that you could bring forth about specifically that. But also uh, the the Kabbalah, which I mentioned, it's a book, and it's yeah. it's uh, it, it does exist in Judaism today. Yeah. Um, it literally, you know, the the, the word Kabbal, right, yeah. is right. is based on this the the, the, the same thing. Yep. So a cabal, to be honest with you, see, here's the funny part about this. It is the collective will, believe it or not, the act of prayer as it's represented, um, you know, by a lot of the uh, organized religions currently. 
yep. has something to do with the Kabbalah and the establishment of the collective will being channeled by a magician. I'm not kidding you. Jordan, please stop me when I'm saying something out of line here. Um, this is part of where those concepts come from. Yes. As and, a matter of fact, ahead. as a matter of fact, you will go on the web and type in Kabbalah hand sign. Kabbalah hand sign. And you will see all of the most important people from the David Rockefellers to the Rothschilds to all the international bankers to movie stars and and musical stars and Hollywood personalities and industrial giants in, in Germany and, and around the world and the British prime ministers and all of the most important people in the world are giving a Kabbalistic hand sign and watch it on television when you see these infomercials and big commercials on something, whatever the commercials are selling, watch the hand signs of the people presenting the commercials or the infomercials mm -hmm. and watch the hand signs on the news at night when you see the president and the, and the prime ministers of England, etc., and they're all sitting around talking. Watch their hand signs to each other. Well, let me let me the, introduce uh, something here too, Jordan. And, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, even among street gangs, you have uh, what they what they used to call the Crips. I believe they absolutely. still exist. Guess yep. what? They use a, a form of communication um, that some people refer to as hand mandalas. And uh, guess what? The gang signs, whatever it is you call it, these different formations with their hands, it, it's the same language. That's um, exactly right. Precisely the same language. Another yes. interesting thing is that you, you want another pop culture reference really quickly. Uh, Star Trek. How about that? Because yep. uh, Spock uses that split finger thing, you know, live That's long right. and prosper. Right. It's actually a rabbinical uh, blessing. That's right. According that's to it. the Kabbalah, which is it's not a negative thing, what yeah, Spock but is doing. But when I'm just saying, this, go ahead. When Mr. Spock gives that strange hand sign, which we're all used to when you, know, you know, divide the hand, but divide the four fingers, and down the middle, as a hand sign Mr. Spock on Star Trek gives. That's a rabbinical blessing. Now, in Christianity, the Pope makes the sign of the cross on himself, on, from his head to his stomach to both shoulders. He makes the sign of the cross, which is a blessing to the people, supposedly. Well, when the Jewish rabbis give a blessing to their people, they reach their hands in the air with the Mr. Spock's uh, two, uh, you know, with that divided hand sign that Mr. Spock gives in these in the in the television show. And but what that is, the reason why the Mr. Spock gives that hand sign, it it's because it represents the sun, which is the symbol, which is the uh, ultimate god of Judea of Judaism is the sun. The sun is. The Judaism is a sun-based religion. It's based on the worship of the sun. And so the sun in the age of Aries, the ram, is uh, the ram is, of course, a goat or a ram. But the age of the sun in the age of the ram was what uh, Mr. Spock is giving that symbol because that divided hand sign, divided fingers, is a, is a goat's hoof. 
the hoof of a goat. And so I've got that on my website. You can see it in the documents from the Jewish Encyclopedia showing you that Mr. Mr. Spock's hand sign is a symbol of a goat god, the symbol of the god of Ares, the goat, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, the lamb of God, the goat god, Baphomet, and he is the, the, the god of the Hebrews. Well, it's all based on the ancient sun worship. And that's a whole story in itself. Well, right. And, and, and here's one question that I have personally. Uh, I, I've always found it interesting that, uh, that people that want to describe, uh, Satanism and Luciferianism often point to the imagery of a goat or a ram. That's right. Um, and they tell you that, you know, that this is the thing, they, they like to sacrifice goats, or it is Baphomet, who is the, you know, the goat, uh, the, the god that appears like a goat, actually has the cloven hooves. They talk about, uh, the concept of a satyr, and not, not, not the religious ceremony of the satyr. I do mean a satyr in and of itself, which is, uh, supposed to be a crossbred man and goat together. Mm-hmm. Um, literally like with the body of a goat, but the torso and head of a man that has horns. Uh, this kind of thing and I find it interesting that um, it seems like different people pick up these symbols in different ways uh, what, what do you make of that I mean is that just people being confused because it recurs in so many different places this concept of the goat, the ram, the horned being in one way or another uh, we, we, we talked about the literal imagery of Satan as it's presented to most people with the red skin and, the, and all that and we talked about it, uh, Dionysus being yep. the, uh, the, the inspiration for that but why do you think we see this goat imagery all over the religions and anti-religions and uh, allegedly dark practices, but also being part of the biblical history. I mean, is it all incorrect? Is it all correct? Or is it just so confused and convoluted at this point that it, it, it would take us another two hours to unpack it? What do you think? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, if you'll remember, uh, on, on uh, 11, 9-11, when that happened, uh, when the World Trade Center was attacked, it said, uh, which I picked up on immediately, I knew there was something wrong here, completely wrong, because it showed uh, President Bush uh, sitting there reading a book with the children in the school classroom, and it said, they kept prominently saying, it was a book about the, the, the goat, and the and the and the president literally called uh, my pet goat, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, my my pet goat. Well, look up my pet goat and Freemasonry, and you will see that the Masonic Order has a has a whole story about quote my pet goat end quote. It's a Masonic term. It's a Masonic idea, and that's why when somebody makes you mad. We say, uh, well, he got your goat. No, that's a Masonic term in Freemasonry. So, uh, right. and so the president is reading about my pet goat. Well, the goat is Aries, the ram, the lamb of God. And that's why Jesus is connected to, uh, Bacchus Dionysus. Bacchus, look up Bacchus. Bacchus Dionysus. Uh, and, and you will see something that looks exactly like the devil. 
this incredibly ugly man with a snarl on his face and horns and a goat goatee looks just like the devil, but he's called Bacchus Dionysus in the ancient Greek world, and he was the god of grapes and wine. And then you look at the, uh, the, the symbols for Jesus, and you will see Jesus is Bacchus Dionysus, and he has around him all the pictures uh, around about Jesus have him uh, sitting in the midst of wine and bread. And, of course, in the, the Catholic Church, they offer in, in Sunday communion the wine, the priests drink the wine, and the bread they offer uh, to the parishioners. So the bread and the wine in the Catholic service is actually the bread and wine of Bacchus Dionysus, who we use as a symbol for the devil. Incredible. Uh, several, it, it just, uh, several times also in the uh, uh, Old Testament, as they call it, you find that uh, the the offering of animals being sacrificed, well, uh, it seems to me as though, you know, people talk about the lamb and the sheep and so on and so forth, but quite honestly, what seems to be sacrificed, for the best of my knowledge, I think even when uh, the, the story of... Uh, uh, of, of you know, bring your son to the altar, and I'm going to have you kill him. And oh, okay, wait a minute, I'm now I'm not going to have you kill him, but you're going to have to make a sacrifice. I think a goat shows up then too, and it That's seems exactly to me as right. though goats and rams are offered as sacrifice uh, in the in the Old Testament stories as well. Now, does that tie to this story in the same way? Well, yes, because Jesus himself, supposedly in the story of the Bible. He is sacrificed by the Almighty God, allows him to be sacrificed and die. And so, therefore, the God of the Bible is the same ancient God that has required all the ancient cultures of the world to sacrifice a goat, sacrifice a lamb, sacrifice your baby, sacrifice humans. And this is why Abraham is told, take your son out. God says to Abraham, take your son out and cut his head off. Sacrifice him to me. I want to see it. And so Abraham takes his young son out, puts him on a rock, and gets out the, the knife and is going to stab him and kill him. And then the angel pops in and says, no, we just wanted to see if you were stupid enough to do that. So, uh, so God says, you don't have to sacrifice him. He now knows that you will do whatever he tells you to do. So you don't have to sacrifice. Well, myself, I say, wait a minute. If God tells Abraham to go out and sacrifice your son, your boy, uh, you know, then that tells me that according to the ancient Hebrew uh, philosophies of theology and religion, that it was all right for a human sacrifice. And then you begin to see how, yeah, according to the ancient Jews, there were human sacrifices. As a matter of fact, it was very famous with Marduk, when the Jewish nation would sacrifice their babies and their children to Marduk. And go back and look at Marduk on the web, go to image and type in Marduk, and you will see this enormous big statue with fire in his lap. It's a big statue and there's a fire, and the, and the Jewish and the Jews would take their babies and throw them into the fire to offer their, their children to Marduk. 
And so it goes back to Bardock, the god of the, uh, the god of the sun, the sun god Bardock. Why? Because that's why he had a fire in his lap. He was the god of fire, the god of the sun. So sun worship has always been the center for Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. It all goes back to India. It's a, it's a, it's a strange, incredible story. And when you think about the Germans, uh, they were sub worshippers also. And and then with the rise of Adolf Hitler, uh, they 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 personified the sun uh, as a swastika because we know everybody knows the swastika was a sun symbol. And so, well, if they were connected to Judaism, which which the uh, German people were. And the Germans were already sub-worshippers. Well, so were the Jews. They were worshipping the sun. But they said, to cover it up, they said, the Jews said, that the name of God is too holy for us to use. So we don't want to use his name, uh, you know, in in everyday speech because his name is too holy. And so we will have a substitute name. And the substitute name is on all the altars of Jewish synagogues all over the world, any synagogue you will see has a round circle of a yellow sun with the sunburst, and inside the sun on the altars of any uh, synagogue you will see four letters, which is translated tetragrammaton. Tetra is four, gramma is a letter, and A-T-O-N, the aton, is a sun god in Egypt. So it's tetragrammaton. So the Jews were worshippers of the Tetragramma Aton, but his name is so important that we can't use his name, so we just call it Tetragrammaton. No, Tetragramma Aton. Look up A-T-O-N. It's the old ancient sun god of the Jews. And, 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 and in Germany, it's a swastika. And that's why today in Israel, there are, there are synagogues in Israel today. Go on the web. And type it in to look and see the pictures on the on the uh, image. Uh, look up Jewish swastika, and it will show you synagogues uh, in in Israel that have big red swastikas on the floor, just like the Nazis. Why? Because it's all connected behind the scenes that you didn't know anything about. Japan, the the, the Jewish symbol for their god was the sun the jewish symbol for the sun was a tetragrammaton or the swastika the swastika can also be made out of jewish letters there's a connection between jewish swastikas and nazi swastikas the german people my god there is a story here you are not going to believe once you sit down and start researching this subject and spend a couple of months just looking at the basic concept and you will see there's a bare, there's a very ancient and old connection that's been well hidden because of the, between the Jewish religion, the Nazi party, the communist party of the Soviet Union, and the, all of the, uh, of what we call terrorism going on throughout the world. Something very big is happening on the earth and we haven't got the faintest idea in the world what is going on. You better wake up. The world is not what you thought it was. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are nothing more than ancient, basic ancient religions worshipping the pagan gods of ancient India. It's an incredible story of the betrayal of the human race. Mm. 
Absolutely, and one that we are uh, certainly exposing through this series. And we're just about out of time, so I want to point you guys once again to jordanmaxwellshow.com. Yes, you have to put in Jordan Maxwell Show altogether.com. That is the only website that is Jordan Maxwell's. When you go there, you can uh, get a link into, because there's a button that says Research Society, go into the uh, other website, which is for those that wish to really delve deeply into this. And a lot of information is on that website already. More is being added continuously, and there's a lot of it backed up. Uh, as fast as your webmaster can work, he is doing it. But uh, there is a ton of information on there that goes deeper into this topic and many others through the Jordan Maxwell Research Society website. But you got to start by going to jordanmaxwellshow.com. Jordan, with the last couple of minutes here, obviously we're not going to get into any other deep subjects right now, but is there anything that you'd like to say before we kind of close out for this week? Yes. Obviously this is part six, but we're going to have to get into part seven next week. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. And uh, we're going to continue this until Jordan feels as though he's done. And uh, we've definitely covered a lot of material tonight that has not been heard during the previous ten hours of discussion. Now we're on twelve hours of discussion, but uh, extremely important focus on religion in general and we still haven't fully made it away from the Old Testament (laughs) I know, I know, we haven't even come to the New Testament yet, the one thing I would like for the audience to know is that there are other videos out there with me with with me talking about uh, you know the the jordanmaxwellvideos.com and there's pictures of me with a pair of sunglasses because my eyes were killing me that day. And I, and, and I was forced into making this commercial. I didn't want to make it at all. I thought it was stupid to make a commercial me with, uh, with, uh, sunglasses on. But anyway, there's, 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 uh, websites out there with me talking about this is where you will find my videos and my videos here in jordanmaxwellvideo.com. Well, all of that was recorded a long time ago, and I have nothing to do with that uh, that organization or that group, nothing whatsoever to do with them. I get nothing from them. I have nothing to do with them. So when you see jordanmaxwell.com uh, and you see an uh, image of me talking, just know I don't have anything to do with those people anymore, nothing. So there's a lot of a lot of people using my name out there to make themselves a lot of money, right? And and but uh, my only website I have is Jordan Maxwell Show, period. Jordan Maxwell Show dot com. Right, and that is the only website that is Jordan Maxwell's, as I've said. And uh, do encourage you to go over there and explore further what we've discussed tonight. But uh, there is a lot more even in the uh, Research Society website, which you can also get to by going to jordanmaxwellshow.com.